Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading this week's episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Or should I say episodes? We've actually got two for you this week. Myself and Dan headed off to the Majeski Stadium in Reading to watch Scarlets versus London Irish and the second of the two podcasts will be dedicated to all things European rugby or at least from a Welsh perspective anyway and it's been a really interesting week in that regard. You had Dragons going through to the quarterfinals of the Challenge Cup on Friday night and then the game myself and Dan were at which was the, uh, the Scarlets managing to, to do the same with a convincing win over London Irish. So really exciting times for the regions with two sides heading into the quarterfinals. So we'll be looking at all of those things in the second of the podcast. But before that, I've got the podcast you're about to listen to, which is a roundup of all of the news from within the world of Welsh rugby this week. And there's been loads of it. So we've had James Hook's retirement. We've had Jamie Roberts heading over to South Africa to play for the Stormers. And we've also had the Wales squad announcement, the first squad that Wayne Pivak has named. So we've got loads of reaction to that. All of this coming up. And what's more, you can even win a pair of tickets to the first game of the Six Nations, Wales versus Italy. And that is courtesy of the Indigo Group, who we've teamed up with in order to give you these tickets. Of course, you'll probably be familiar with them as sponsors of the Welsh Premiership. Uh, But yeah, fantastic opportunity. So big thanks to them for providing those tickets. All of those details will uh, will be on our Twitter page. So look out for the pinned tweet on there. All the details will be in this episode of the podcast as well. So make sure you stay you stay tuned. Finally, thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. As always, uh, yeah, big thanks to uh, to Scott Otten at, um, at So Coffee Trades. Again, if you've not had a chance to, to sample So Coffee yet, or if you have and you're just a big fan of it, make sure you do head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk to keep your coffee supplies stacked up. Right. On with the show. Phillips to Charteris to Falatau. Tackled by Zarzewski on the 22. This is Phillips! He's going to score a try! Tacking Scrum on the road this week. We are at the Mijewski Stadium for the game 
London Irish versus Scarlet. It's a lot riding on that. And uh, yeah, it's been a fantastic week for, for European rugby. It's been a really interesting one. Dan Killick is alongside me. We're going to be going through all of the outcomes, potential outcomes, and hopefully we'll know everything by the time this game is finished. So don't forget to listen to the second part of this show, which will be dedicated to a roundup of Europe. But elsewhere, it's been a hugely interesting week for Welsh rugby anyway. We've had uh, retirements, we've had move abroads, we've had another Saracens news story break, and we've also had the, the Wales squad announced as well. So who else could we get saving him up, resting him like Toby Falatau for his first performance of the year? It's Dan Killick. How are you doing, Dan? Very good, Jake. Got a blazer on just for Ian Alexander. So that'll be, uh, we'll have to tweet that one out a little bit later. Looking just marginally smarter than you. In your puffer jacket and a shell suit. It's not a, not a puffer jacket per se, but um, <laughs> well, yeah, I think you've you you clearly look like the estate agent you are, Dan. But there there, there we go. Not to, not to worry. Uh, you caught me slightly on the hot there by talking about your uh, your fashion sense. But yeah, I'm sure Ian will uh, will enjoy that one. I want to start though by talking before we get onto the Wales squad, which is probably in the, the biggest news of the week outside of the club rugby, by starting by talking about the retirement of James Hook. Obviously, fantastic player. We've enjoyed watching a number of times over the years. And as we always do, when a favourite player of ours retires, like to look back on a, a favourite moment. So let's put you on the hop down. Favourite James Hook moment? You love asking me about my favourite moments, don't you? I can't remember yesterday, let alone my favourite James Hook moment. What would be my favourite hooky moment? Uh, probably be his game when he... When he played, when he played ten for Wales, that that one game was it. That one game, well, he didn't have all that many, did he? Um, game against, I think it was. Shall I start by telling you mine? Yeah. Give me a bit of time. <laughs> There's a few actually that that came up, and we had a bit of a chat about this on Twitter this week, and I think the one that, that I think a lot of his best performances were against England, and you think back to. One of his breakthrough performances, 2007, in what was an otherwise pretty dismal Six Nation cam- campaign for Wales, masterminded a win against England at, at the Millennium. A year later, had a fantastic game at Twickenham to end that that long, long drought of, uh, of 20 years at Twickenham without a, a win. And uh, but the one, the, the one that really excited me was when he was playing inside centre. This would have been, I think, 2010, and he ran through, scored a fantastic try, the massive handoff. So that's that's the uh, that's the one for me. Has that bought you any time, or uh, are you just going to choose one of those three? No, no time at all. I think that was the, that was what he mentioned as one of his his big moments, wasn't it? I was listening to a rival po- a rival <laughs> podcast, and they he he was talking about that moment, and also the the moment that he played yeah against England when he felt like he was he really arrived on the scene. That was when he was when he was ten, I think, playing against England, and then I think he had a little a little blip and injury after that, and it. It sort of unfolded a little bit for him, but I, th- I think it's an, it's an interesting one with Hook because his versatility, as is often the case with players who can play a number of positions and play them well, is sometimes perhaps he suffered from not knowing what his best position was, or perhaps the selectors not knowing what his best position was. Could play inside centre, outside centre, ten, and fullback. Which of those positions did you think was his best position? I think his best position would have been ten if the circumstances have been slightly different. So, yeah, I think his versatility did go against him because he was played in loads of different positions. But if he'd played at 10 and was given 10 consistently, 
and then they built the centres and the wings around him. I'm getting louder because the music's getting louder. Jed's starting to dance. Um, <laughs> that I think Tem would have been, but it probably wasn't his best position because of the circumstances. And I would say that, you know, 12, 12 would be for me, but it should have been 10. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I th he put in some fantastic performances at 10. I never particularly liked him at fullback. So it, it just didn't quite feel like the, uh, like the best position. And talking of positions, we might have to reposition ourselves slightly away from uh, away from this booming great disco. Uh, disco? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, no, it is. <laughs> it does feel like it. Right, let's uh, let's have a quick reposition, and then we'll uh, we'll get back with uh, with some more rugby chat. Right, slightly better acoustics now, Dan. We haven't got uh, blasting great music coming out from a huge PA system. Talking there about about James, what his best position was, you suggesting there that I think with time, 10 could have been his best position, but perhaps some of those best performances came in a 12 shirt. I think the one thing for me that kind of springs to mind was that period after the 2011 World Cup when Stephen Jones retired, I felt like that was an opportunity where he could have been given the 10 shirt and he never really, he never really got that opportunity again. Yeah, I agree. I think he... It must be difficult for, for Hooker looking back on his career because he achieved amazing things, but also I think he could have achieved so much more if he had just been given a consistent run in, in one position or whether that would have been 12 or 10. It definitely, went, it definitely went against him. And to think you know he won that many caps, it could have been so, many, so much more from him. Probably, well, certainly one of the most gifted uh, rugby footballers we've produced, I would say. No, I think you're absolutely right. And from gifted rugby footballers soon to be of the past, to gifted rugby footballers of the present and potentially the future, a really fascinating Wales squad that Wayne Pivak has announced this week. Who caught your eye? Yeah, it's a really, a really balanced squad, I think, that Pivak's picked. I was probably a little bit in mourning, to be honest, after, after the departure of, of, of Gatland, and it felt like a really, really long and nasty hangover. But actually... I feel really excited about the six about the Six Nations now, and about Piv, you know Pivac's reign with with the squad that he's picked. He's made some some clever uh, pickups, isn't he, from over the bridge with the uh, big wheel there? He's an absolute lump, isn't he? Six eight coming into the second row, gets through a lot of games as well, a lot of games with Wasps. Picked up a couple of injuries of late, but he does give away a fair few penalties as well. How aware were you that he was Welsh qualified on Wednesday morning? I wasn't. I wasn't aware. Uh, it's probably good move. How much? Steam, how much of Will Rollins have you seen? Given that there's probably not that many highlights reels out there, which I know is how you like to consume, you, you like to consume your research. How much? Uh, how much have you seen of him in a wasp shirt? Desperately scouring for some highlight reels, but uh, yeah, there wasn't too many. There's a couple out there though. Um, just reading a bit of bit of background about him, they say that obviously he's, he could be overlooked a little bit because Joe Launch being a few of the other second rows they've got who are, who are excellent. But speaking to a few a few. Uh, you know, few, few former former players that have played alongside him have said that he's a very good guy, gets to a huge amount of work, has got a good offloading game, and he's actually been you know a real sort of stalwart of, of 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 that English side. So, I think it's a cute move by us, and we are liked in the second row. He brings physicality, size, and it's going to really firm up that front row. Yeah, and I think looking at looking at that, there were probably a couple of other names that that caught the attention as well. Nick Tompkins was a story that broke the night before and obviously carried on when the, the squad was announced, perhaps a little bit 
perhaps the uh, the Roland's choice kind of perhaps overshadowed it in the end. But Nick Tompkins, if you're talking about shrewd moves, putting aside kind of what, what you may think, he's eligible. England aren't picking him. That seems like another shrewd move, right? Yeah, definitely a shrewd move. I mean, he, he, you know, we've done what what any other side in our position would have done. We are short in the centre, and he is. He's a good operator, very, very neat player. Uh, uh, he's one of those guys that you could sort of overlook because he doesn't do anything hugely flashy, but what he does do, he does everything really well. And I think he's going to play a big role for us in this Six Nations. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And you talk about there not perhaps being a strength in depth in the second row. Well, certainly we know right now centre is being tested to the maximum with the number of injuries that there are. Perhaps elsewhere in the squad... Some players that you know, I'm, I'm sure you're looking looking forward to watching. Talking about highlights reels, Louis Rees-Samet perhaps yeah. is the is the king of the highlights reel because he is one exciting player and only 18 years old. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen many, many of those highlight reels with Louis Rees-Samet. He has been on fire, isn't he? And I'm I'm really pleased that he well one made the you know made the squad. I think it would have been it wouldn't have been right if he didn't. England do tend to pick pick younger players don't they and a lot of the other sides do as well now over the over the years with Gatlin's reign if there's one criticism it's possibly that we haven't picked players that are on form quick enough you know look at look at look at Navidi for instance mm-hmm. you know until he was until he was in a Welsh shirt a lot of people said he's just a club player well my, myself included and well, but yeah, but you and I, I couldn't I couldn't have got that more wrong yeah but you weren't alone a lot of other a lot of people did so I'm I'm pleased he's he's a good physical size isn't he that English league is tough it's a tough league to defend in He's scoring tries for fun. Uh, I'm pleased that he's in the squad, but also I want him to start. Do you think he will start against Italy? If you were Wayne Pivac, would you do that? And do you think Pivac will? Yeah, I think he'll start against Italy. I don't think there's any point in having him in the squad unless we start him first up against Italy. Could you? I mean, it's, it's a really tricky one because I think perhaps if Warren Gatlin was still in charge, he would have experimented as he's done in previous years against Italy. Last year, he basically played the Rezies. The year before, a similar kind of setup. Uh, but this time around, Wayne Pivac's Wayne first competitive, first capped international as coach. Can he afford to experiment, or is it just that one position you think will, where he might make a, you know, a change to perhaps what the, the strongest lineup is? I think, I think we can afford to, to, you know, to give somebody an opportunity. Then I don't see it as that much of a risk because he is playing that well. He's a young guy that's, that's literally probably thinking I can do anything. And if anything, if we don't pick him against Italy, then that could go against him in terms of confidence. So it's more of a risk probably not playing him than playing him. Get him in the side for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely agree. The, the question is, though, who would he make way, you know, who would make way for him? You would imagine Halfpenny's going to start at fullback. Or, you know, or, or perhaps would it be McNichol? You know, Josh Adams is nailed on on the one wing. Whether you're experimenting yeah. with the side or not, he, he plays. What, what do you think Pivak is going to do in terms of that back three? Josh Adams is an absolute cert, isn't he? He is. He's right up there with probably the yeah, certainly one of the best wingers in the world at the moment, isn't he? So he starts for definite. I'd go with Zamet on the other wing, and I'd have half penny. If we're going to go with Zamet, I'd have half penny at fullback just to help him out defensively because I've heard a little bit of chat about you know wing could potentially be a position where you know there's less uh, there's less risk then, but actually you you're also you can be cruelly exposed as well, certainly at international level. So he will be tested. Who's the best position? Who's the best player that we have in that back three positionally by a country mile? It's Lee Halfpenny. Yeah. 
and, and again, Josh Adams, very, very tidy in terms of defence. Strong over the ball, great positional, great under the high ball. So it gives you that confidence when it when it comes to when it comes to blood in a youngster. Yeah, that pendulum will work really well with those three. So you've got Johnny, you've got Johnny McNick, living you floating around there. But I think the the confidence that Zamit will get from Halfpenny alongside him would, would work well. Okay, coming up after the break, we will be talking more about that Wales squad. And we've also got an opportunity for you to win two tickets to the very game that we're talking about, Wales versus Italy. So be sure to listen to this podcast after a very short break. This is Keelan Jars, and you're listening to Attack and Scrum, sponsored by So Coffee Trades. Welcome back to the Attack and Scrum podcast, talking before the break about... Wales versus Italy, and we've got a fantastic opportunity for you to go to that game, courtesy of our good friends at the Indigo Group, who you'll no doubt be familiar with from sponsoring the Welsh Premiership. Dan, I know you've been keeping a close eye on the Premiership this year, as you do, you're a big, big club rugby fan. Uh, but they're also a, a Welsh Rugby Union partner too, so a fantastic opportunity for you and a mate to enjoy everything that the uh, Principality Stadium has to offer, uh, courtesy of that first game. It's, it's an amazing game. And thanks to the Indigo Group, you'll be able to, uh, yeah, well, one one uh, lucky winner will be able to go with a mate. And if you want to enter that competition, make sure you check out our social media page at Attack in Scrum, and it will be the pinned tweet on there. So do keep your eyes peeled on that. And a big thanks to our pals at the Indigo Group for supplying those tickets. Right, Dan, moving on to... Uh, to how you think that game might pan out. You said just before the break that it's a... Uh, there is an opportunity to put in one or two youngsters. Do you think that the rest of the side will will reflect that, or is uh, is Pivac going to go for a very steady a very steady lineup of you know is is tried and or the tried and tested players in a Wales shirt? Yeah, I think he'll go with a fair bit of tried and tested, but just potentially tweak uh, tweak things with with Zamit on the wing. Or certainly that's what that's what I would do anyway. You can't make too many changes, can you, against Italy? We've done it. We've done it on a number of occasions, and we've always come unstuck on a number of occasions. So we've got to go out there. It's the first game. We know how big momentum is in this tournament, so we've got to go out and get the win, but just with maybe one or two tweaks. Because the following week, it's over to Ireland, and a, and a, you know, I suppose a, a side in a similar position to Wales, rebuilding in terms of a new coach, uh, got huge strength and depth themselves in terms of players, but. You can't afford to really go into that after a stuttering start against Italy or, God forbid, a defeat. So I think you, you're right there. You hit the nail on the head when you talk about momentum. You've just got to go out. You've got to get the win and, and get people get people excited because that is the thing. Is As fantastic as the Gatland era was, and both you and I were big fans of that, the criticism is always that it wasn't perhaps the easiest rugby on the eye. Are we perhaps going to see a bit more of the uh, of the ball being thrown around like we saw Pivac do when in charge of the Scarlets? Yeah, I think we will see it being probably becoming a little little bit more of an offloading game I would say but Pivak knows that you've got you know fundamentally you've got to have a strong you've got to have a strong uh, set piece and you know look at within bringing in uh, you know big will that's that's part of it I'd say we've been liked in the second row he knows that we've got to, we we need to add some strength there he's hopped over the bridge Stephen tapped up Stephen Jones and 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 in you know in a lump comes at six foot eight and and you know twenty odd stones. So we have we've got to be wary as well that we've tried this before with players, haven't we? In the past, Ollie Cohn and a few others. Yeah, I, I think you know, it is different. I think Ollie Cohn was down to the fact that it was just a, an absolute injury crisis. This one, I think, is slightly different because Alwyn Jones is fit, Jake Ball is fit, and had a very good World Cup. 
Uh, Adam Beard is fit, signed a new contract with the Ospreys this week. Then you've also got Corey Hill back from injury, playing well. And he's played a bit at six, but mainly playing in the row. And then Seb Davis is in the squad too. So it, it does feel like this whole squad is not just about the Six Nations, but it's about bringing in players that Pivac wants to have a look at and see if they can fit the mould of the style of rugby he wants to play. I think it's a nice balance to that second row because we have just been getting lighter and lighter in that position. So with this, I feel a lot more confident with having somebody of that stature in there. Plus, he's 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 a he's t- he's um, tried and tested in the English Prem. He's got he gets a, he's had a lot of game time. He hasn't had that many injuries. Had an injury an injury in the last twelve months. But other than that, he's gone really well. So he's resilient. I think it's a great move by us. Again, just having a look, we will do our uh, do our predictions of who we expect to be in that side and the side we'd pick in uh, in weeks coming up. But just to dwell on that point in the second row, do you expect Will Rollins is going to is going to start that Italy game? I don't think he'll start um, in that first game, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him on the bench. Mm. It's an interesting one. Lots of uh, lots of potential options within that squad, and it, it, I think it seems to have got most most of the fan base pretty excited. Yeah, I think with with the with this team as well that we play there, because of it's a new regime, there's going to be a new tonic, a new energy to the side. We will see players that that will probably raise their game in training just because there won't be any preconceptions because. As much as we can say, look, we pick, we pick players on form, we pick players that are uh, that are sort of uh, worthy of being picked. Then, it you could say that, you know, with Gatlin's side, he he liked who he liked, mm. and that's that's human nature, isn't it? We all favour who we get on with. That's that's just human nature. But it's also it's also a consistent throughout throughout coaching, right? You'd look at yeah. you look at Graham Henry at his favourites. Steve yeah, Hansen has his favourites. Everyone has their everyone has their favourites, and I can't imagine that's going to be that's going to be any different under Pillar. Right? It won't be, and some of the some of the players will already be favourites because of the because of the history. But there'll be it's almost like a clean slate there. So if there are players that are coming in and and looking and playing and feeling really sharp, you've got to you've got to feel a bit of that as well when we're when we're looking at this this first up game. Interesting stuff, right away from the the Wales squad this week and again kind of almost top and tail in this, this part of the podcast with players from the past Jamie Roberts has made a move over to South Africa joining Stormers again I mean this this is now he will have played a uh, couple of sides in England obviously played for Cardiff Blues in in Wales and in the, the Pro 12 as it was then played in France now over to South Africa what do you make of that one Dan? I think it's classic Jamie Roberts really isn't it he likes to Experience, experience different things. Seems to be sort of in a really good place within him, within himself, doesn't he? Congratulated the the team, saying what a moment for the, you know, for the for the newly cap, you know, newly cap players in that squad. So I think he's just going off to experience something different, and uh, you know, he's on. He's got so many different strings to to his to him sort of as a as a guy, isn't he? With media work, is is six six strings uh, on the guitar as well. Yeah, Yeah, he can sing, he can play the guitar. He's got loads going on. So I think it's just classic Jamie, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, the other the other I suppose slightly interesting thing certainly made a few headlines this week. As he said, you know, I'm only one plane ride away. If you do want me, is that a a plane ride you anticipate him taking anytime soon? He's. He said it quite a few times, isn't he? That he he still has ambitions to to play for Wales, and I don't think that will ever that will ever go. There were a few people saying that maybe he could have done, he could have had a call up, 
and done a job for us. And I think he would do a job, wouldn't he? You know what he's going to do if he's if he's give, if he's given the opportunity. And I think, yeah, look, if if um, I don't necessarily see it as a, as too much of a backward step if we do call on a player, I mean it, that we because we have no other option that then may bring on somebody else's game. So we almost you almost need a youngster or someone inexperienced playing alongside Jamie. If, you just, if otherwise there's no there's no real point is that we do need to look a little bit towards the towards the future. I'm sure we've said this on this podcast before, but I think for me, he kind of got a fair bit of un, unfair criticism just because he was almost the archetypal Gatland, if you like, Warren Ball style player, very you know uncompromising, all about power and getting over the game line and, and terrific defence. But uh, I, I would say that if he's not getting in the squad now with all the injuries that there are in centre, that's that probably is probably unlikely to happen anytime soon. And I can't see it happening. I can't see him being him being selected, you know, again. But if it happened, it ha- if it happens, it happens. But I don't think it'll happen. I do think as well he was he was kind of made made to be a little bit of a scapegoat of the old Warren Ball, wasn't he? Mm. And he did have that. He was known as our defensive rock. He did have that game, didn't he? Where he was uh, defensively, he was uh, he was. I suppose sort of out of sorts, wasn't he, in that particular game? But I thought that was more of a one-off than anything else. And after that, then that tended to be the, that was the end of him. So uh, he could have had a f- he could have had a good few more uh, games in him, to be honest. Might be slightly preempting this, Dan, because it might not be his uh, his last appearance in a in a Wales shirt. But you got a favourite Jamie Roberts moment? Of course, I haven't. I'll let you off the hook, seeing as it isn't uh, seeing as it isn't a retirement. But don't forget, we've still got an extra podcast for you this week, where we dissect all of the uh, the European action and uh, have a look at that. And obviously, massive grin on my face as a Dragons fan, uh, looking ahead to looking ahead to a quarterfinal. And uh, yeah, never lost never lost a, uh, a European quarterfinal, of course. Dan, Challenge Cup, we get to quarterfinals, we win them. Are we going? Uh, quite ho- well, hopefully. Yeah, I need to. Need to check in on the uh, on the old personal diary, but certainly very keen to do it. But yeah, we'll be detecting all that and, of course, the action from uh, the Majewski Stadium. And we'll know by the time we record that uh, what the fate of the Scarlets is as well. So all of that coming up. Make sure you uh, you stay tuned and have a good listen to that. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.